Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast. This show is brought to you by NAPPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NAPPAC's Executive Director. And today we're all about the NAPPAC activities. We're joined by Tim Fulton, Director of Political Programs at Walmart and the current president of NAPPAC. We'll recap the post-election conference and take the measure of a tough but good year for the PAC community. But first, some honest-to-God real news about the FEC this week, Michaela. Per the Washington Post, the United States Senate confirmed three, count them, three FEC commissioners this week, restoring the Federal Election Commission to full strength for the first time since 2017. The new commissioners are Shanna Broussard, current FEC attorney and the first black commissioner, Sean Cooksey, general counsel for GOP Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, and the youngest person to become a commissioner, and Alan Dickerson, legal director of the Institute for Free Speech, which opposes campaign finance restrictions. Broussard, by the way, is a Democrat, and Cooksey and Dickerson are Republicans. Yeah, Adam, the PAC community is quite happy to have all five commissioners of the FEC back in action. This helps everyone. Uh, I'm not sure when uh, we heard FEC Chairman Trey Trainer last week address this at the NAPPAC post-election conference that we all thought it might be this soon that these decisions and confirmations would be made. But he did have this to say about the persistent vacancies and the important work that is still getting done. During the third quarter Uh, The FEC processed about 23 million individual transactions. We did about 39 million M10 transactions and 17 million M11 transactions. So we saw a massive growth in the amount of money that was spent during the 2020 election cycle. Of that, there are estimates out there as much as $14 billion that was spent during the 2020 election cycle. About $2.1 billion of that was independent expenditure and PAC activity. So there's a lot of uh, transactions that the commission had to keep up with, uh, track down. The audits continued. Uh, Requests for additional information have continued uh, to come from the commission. So while we are hampered by only having three commissioners, uh, we've still had to continue on with the work. And that really is the most important work that we do. That's the transparency side of what the agency does is making available to the public that information where money is being spent and where money is coming from in our republic. It's been very, very interesting, very challenging time for us to do that. A year-end win for the FEC, transparency, and the PAC community, Michaela. Hashtag fact, Adam. So let's kick it up a notch. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. This week's episode of the Facts About PACs podcast is brought to you by Chainbridge Bank. Looking for a financial partner who actually understands PACs? End the frustration by crossing the bridge to better banking with Chain Bridge Bank, a group who specializes in the financial needs of the corporate and association PAC space. Chain Bridge Bank, we know PACs. Thanks so much, Adam. We're so proud to have Chain Bridge Bank as our presenting sponsor of our virtual post-election conference last week. A really great group of folks over there. Now it's great to bring in, I'm so pleased to have our current 
NABPAC president and the director of political programs at Walmart, Tim Fulton. Welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast, Tim. Thank you, Michaela. Very happy to be here. Well, I know it has been an incredibly challenging year to be president of NABPAC, but you have just so graciously guided us through a really difficult year. Thank you for your leadership and really being a great partner for me as we both navigated these sort of stormy waters. Well, it's my pleasure. It's been an honor to serve. It's been great working with you. And as you indicated, very challenging year indeed. Not what we had in mind when we started the year, but uh, I think we navigated it together about as best as possible. So Tim, you know, one of the things when COVID first hit and we were in that moment of where do we go from here? What do we do? And I came to you and said, we're going to launch a podcast. (laughs) And here we are. You are our guest on our 30th episode. Would you have ever thought that? Not my wildest dreams would (laughs) That you could do 30 episodes since I think April is when you started them. So, uh, wow, kudos to you, to Adam, and the full team for putting out such great content. There's so much misinformation that exists out there. We know that. And getting people straight on what employee funded PACs are about, what the limits are, how the process works, that's what got us going. That's what sustains us. Michaela, that's what's essentially made us the number one PAC podcast in America. That's right, Adam. We've talked about it for 30 episodes. There's just a lot of misinformation out there about the employee sponsored PACs. And really, the PACs were authorized by law in the 1970s as a reform. And so here we are, you know, 43 years later, and we're still having to explain that sort of remarkable. But uh, last week, we did hear from some really fabulous speakers at our virtual post-election conference. And I think loud and clear, Paul Braithwaite from Federal Street Strategies talked about sort of this incoming administration, the number of new members of Congress, and the need for Biden to really establish new relationships. And truthfully, so must we as employee-funded PACs. The president-elect is sort of bringing decades of service to the job that he's aspired to now three times and finally reached. And that hopefully will help him in this process. But, you know, Washington's a lot different than when he first got here or when he last left, actually, both when he first got here and when he last left. Just in the last four years, there are over 200 members of Congress that never served with President-elect Biden while he was vice president or Uh, in the Senate. I mean, out of 535 members, that's a lot of people that he has to get to know uh, and have to get to know him all in a virtual sort of surrounding because there are going to be big gatherings down at the down at the White House. Just reinforces how important uh, PACs are to uh, not only the relationships that we have with uh, members of Congress and their staff, but I think it's even more important in, in today's day and age where so many are working remotely They're not having the same ability to interact with elected officials and staff, and and there's going to be a huge number of new members joining uh, next session of Congress. So if they're not out there getting to interact with with as many individuals, lobbyists, and, and others, they're missing out on the opportunity. Tim, across our 30 episodes, we have been talking to so many NABPAC members about how they've innovated and things that they've done. You've not only been helping to keep all of us on track during 2020 within NAPAC, but you've been doing your job, your full-time job, the work you do for the employee-funded PAC at Walmart. Do you think that you guys are coming out of this stronger? Has this been a, uh, a meaningful experience for everybody there? I think so. Uh, I think uh, same challenges that NAPAC has had this year. Um, it's been a challenging environment for, 
for everyone at, at Walmart as well. But, uh, you know, we've, we've had to adapt and change quickly. And I give credit to our full government affairs teams at the state and federal level. We use PAC resources at the state level as well. And that's been a significant challenge for our, our state teams to have the ability to interact with elected officials and their staff. So yeah, I'm pleased with the full team at Walmart. I have a great team on the PAC side, Betsy Strong and Sean White have been great partners and really appreciate their hard work this year. Hey, Michaela, we had a lot of outreach across a lot of this year that brought us much closer together with members in the same vein that Paul Braithwaite was talking about. Yeah, you know, uh, Tim and the executive committee and the board of directors really laid out our strategic priorities at the end of 2019 and expanding our advocacy footprint and outreach was a priority. And when COVID hit, we were just like everybody else in a situation of where do we go from here? And actually, we had an ability to launch the Policymaker Speaker Series, which enabled us to, quite frankly, have a reach and a connection to 24 members of Congress over uh, six different events that we probably would not have had otherwise that ability to be in front of that many champions that, by the way, we didn't know were champions at the time, but at the end of those events, realized that now we actually have some folks that we think we can go to in the future that will be champions for the business pack community. So I think for all of us and, and our members, likewise, like Tim said at Walmart, for those that were able to seize the opportunity, I think they saw some real positive value add for their organization like we did. Absolutely. I think it was just beneficial from a number of different levels. I think the fact that we're out there advocating on NAPAC's priorities is extremely important, building the relationships on the Hill, but also I was so pleasantly surprised with the turnout that we got for each of these sessions from our membership. I think we saw individuals that may not directly handle the PAC activities join as well. We had some organizations brought their lobbyists or other members of the team because it gave them an opportunity to interact with these elected officials. So it was just a great event all around. So appreciate all your hard work there. There was another segment that comes to mind as I hear this part of our conversation. It was from Laura Wooster, who's with Emergency Physicians, and she gave a great talk about advocacy as a lifeline. And one of the things that she talked about was they have had great headwinds on a whole host of issues for some time. And yet in a year where they were needed more than ever before, they stepped up, they met that challenge with substantive information, they did a bunch of advocacy, and suddenly their relationship with members of Congress changed and the, and the phone started ringing. That two-way street actually started to come around and they could be of value to folks and really play the role that I think they were always meant to play. And they're feeling a lot stronger, Michaela. They're going forward in a way and with a confidence and a renewed purpose that I think a lot of us are feeling going into 2021. Yeah, I was blown away by their efforts and her presentation. The one thing that really stood out to me was not only the engagement from their members, but the number of just sort of general everyday citizens who recognized that the emergency physicians were on the front lines and needed the backing and the support of, of so many other people, the fact that they were able to engage thousands and thousands of everyday American citizens who weren't necessarily a part of their association, but that believed that they needed the support and help to get their issues front and center before Congress was remarkable. I completely agree. thought it was a great 
great session. Loved hearing new ways that our members are engaging and really kind of underscores how PACs are at the center of these important conversations. And especially as people transition to a, a virtual environment, we help, help fill a role there. So great presentation there. There, there was a reoccurring theme throughout the conference, and part of it was having difficult conversations. Now is the time, and here's how you do it. You know, Johnny Taylor, who's the president of the Society for Human Resource Management, gave a keynote address, and he talked a lot about empathy. He talked a lot about having an understanding about what it is that our purpose is and why we do the work in the PAC space that we do. And this is true across industries, but it really brought me back, Michaela, to, to, to another statement that came from the president of the Public Affairs Council, Doug Pinkham, and he sort of said it straight out. There's no misunderstanding what political work is about and why we do it. Have a listen to this. I think the more you talk about political engagement as a, an important type of business strategy with the purpose of reducing political risk, because political risk is a huge deal. Uh, uncertainty in public policy is a matter of political risk, you know, not knowing um, what a new administration will, will do or whether Trump was going to keep trade barriers up or trade barriers down, that's what hurts investment. Um, and whether you're talking to the media or talking to your own employees or PAC supporters, I think it's easier than it ever has been to make the business case for what we all do for a living. Not that every young congressional staffer has a business perspective, but if you do, if you say that over and over again and you're consistent and you're open about this is part of what we do in strategy and it's legal, it's ethical, um, I think it will start to get through. Whenever I, I talk about PACs to a group who's cynical about it, I start by saying PACs are campaign finance reform that works. And then you, you talk about low dollar limits, very reasonable. Most people have no idea what the dollar limits are for contributing or how much you can give to a, to a candidate themselves. It's totally transparent. And when I heard him say it, Michaela, I thought to myself, that's exactly right. Transparency means being honest with everyone in the company about why we're doing what we're doing, taking a hard look at our criteria. Doug Pinkham's message really dovetailed with Johnny Taylor's message about empathy and diversity and inclusion. Johnny really solidified for me, like you said, being empathetic, going out and listening to our employees. The one size fits all, it really isn't gonna work anymore, that we really have to go and have a conversation with our employees about why this is important, why our company would be involved in the political process in the first place. And I, I appreciated that he was able to share with us that at the same time, we do have one unique mission that brings us all together as we're employees or we're members of the organization with which we're working for. And we can't be afraid to back down, that we need to continue to push forward and advocate for the issues that are important to the organization. I love Johnny's uh, speech. I thought he was phenomenal. I, I would love to have him come speak to my my PAC board and, and others at, at Walmart, because I think he just outlined it perfectly. He says, you know, how transparency and the message we're trying to deliver is important and be truthful to your audience. And you may have some people that disagree, but they respect the honesty and the openness and just thought he was phenomenal. He also brought forward one of the things that you made a priority along with Michaela, which was we're not going to back away from the challenges that are out there about diversity and inclusion. That was a topic that we hit on in the NABPAC post-election conference. It's one that a lot of people were involved in in the breakout rooms, and I, I heard a lot of that discussion. But I think most importantly, Michaela, it leaves us all understanding that when we talk about diversity, we've got to realize it is also about who we bring in 
to our groups. That was something that folks talked about a lot. And our industry is one that is great for people who are coming up and maybe they're coming in to companies and they're going to have a chance to get involved. This is a place that you can grow. This is the kind of place that can benefit from diversity and inclusion. Here at NABPAC, we have been very forthright in talking about the journey that we are on as an organization, really to amplify the power of diversity, equity, and inclusion across the PAC profession, also within our communities and among the organizations we engage with and serve. And so I'm really proud of the leadership of this organization under Tim as NABPAC president. We have a really engaged diversity, equity, and inclusion task force that are doing some great Great work, Tim. Yeah, led by uh, two great chairs in John Mason and Kevin Cameron, our DE&I task force is just doing some phenomenal work. Started basically from scratch earlier this year, and I've been so pleasantly surprised at how far we've come so quickly, how motivated this group is, and I made it clear that you know, I didn't want this to be a box check, that we were just doing it for the sake of doing it, that we really needed to have some tangible results. And it, it's clear to me that this is something that is a priority for the organization far beyond my tenure. Tracy Wynn, who will take over as president next year, also recognizes how important this is to the organization, to the PAC profession. And uh, I'm committed to it, and I know she is as well. So. A point of personal privilege, Michaela, I want to note for everybody listening, we might be the number one PAC podcast in America, but we are not the only podcast for PACs. And there's one out there that I want to commend to everybody. It's on this exact topic. It's our good friend, Mary Kay Cunningham from ASAE, and they've got a great podcast called Stronger by Association. And they've got a new episode just out this week, Michaela, which I have already listened to and think is terrific. And if you like the facts about PACs podcast, go check out their podcast. Well, and I don't know if you know this, Adam, but actually Tim used to work at ASAE. Long time ago, uh, I had a full head of hair. Well, Tim, we uh, can't thank you enough for spending the afternoon with us today on the Facts About PACs podcast. We're so thrilled to have you and just to hear your perspective on this crazy year that 2020 was. Thank you for your leadership and thank you for your support. My pleasure. Thank you and Adam for doing these great podcasts and thank you both for your hard work and the rest of the team on a phenomenal conference. Well, until next week, everybody, stay safe, stay engaged and keep moving forward.